Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Warning. The following will induce a craving for high-speed phone. The Monster Energy All-Star Race returns to Charlotte. You've never experienced anything like it. More entertainment, including a concert by Cole Swindell. And a high-octane stunt show. The best drivers in the world battle it out for $1 million. The Monster Energy All-Star Race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Saturday, May 19th. Call 800-455-FAN. Memorial Day weekend is a time for remembrance and honor. And this Memorial Day weekend, we'll salute our troops like no one else. At the Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, May 27th. The most patriotic day in racing starts with an amazing pre-race concert by country superstars, the Eli Young Band. Another line in the storied history of America's home for racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway. The Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. There's nothing like it. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro. Listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. from Dagger Nation. I'm Tim Despain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com with Mr. Stephen Wilson just right outside of Richmond Raceway. But at this time, we have the official reverend of the show from uh, OnTrackWithJesus.com, a good friend, Mr. Reverend Joe. Reverend, how you doing this evening, buddy? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Finally got some summer-like weather. You know, I think you and I have talked about it before you moved out there to get away from the rain out there in california and plus the sun shines it stays warm out there i can handle the heat better than i can the cold reverend i think i'm getting old yeah everybody's getting old (laughs) (laughs) you know there's two choices old and dead but uh, you know it's um i'm not afraid of dying because i know where i'm going but still um it could be a little it's more comfortable if it's not miserable out Amen, Reverend Joe. Uh, I'm not afraid of dying either. I just don't want to leave just yet, if that's okay with the man up, up above. Uh, he doesn't mind that. It's just I often wonder myself, why in the world would I want to stay here? But then I remember I got commitments and God's not through with me and all that good stuff. So we just got to do what we got to do. Yes, sir. And only he knows. Whenever he gets ready, he's ready. Yep. And he has a reason why he keeps us around. So yes, sir, I he does. We're not in too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, we ain't. Reverend Joe, go ahead and crank everything up. we got a big show tonight. Uh, Lord, we come before you, and we thank you so much for all you do. 
We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die for our sins in a most miserable way so that we would have entrance into heaven. And all we have to do is accept him, and we have entrance into heaven. Just believe on him. And we thank you for a safe racing weekend. I want to send a special message out to my friend Todd Gilliland and wish him a happy birthday. He's finally 18 today. He can drive that truck the rest of the season. Be with all of us. Be with all the people involved with the show. Be with everyone listening. Bless our racing community and bless our country. God bless America, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. As always, let everybody know what they can follow you at on social media. I didn't throw it at your website, I guess, their own track with Jesus. Is it is it .net or .org? It's either .net, I mean, sorry, .org or .com. doesn't matter which one you use. But okay. uh, on track with Jesus .org. And I'm also at on track with Jesus at AOL.com. That's my email address. My phone number is 951-232-7630. Have any questions or concerns or need prayer, give us a holler. You can look me up on Facebook. We're at Joe Bubbico. Or you can find me on Twitter, some which way. Anyway, we God bless you all and have a safe week. God bless you too, Reverend. Give uh, Miss Betty a big hug from Suzanne and Stephen and I and Anne Marie and everybody here at the Pit Stops. May we digest everywhere else. We appreciate you. All right. We appreciate you too. God bless you. Have a great week. God bless, Reverend Joe. See you, brother. Okay. Bye. Bye. As Reverend Joe there, Reverend, a uh, big supporter of, of the show. He does a lot out there in California from out there on the, on the West Coast. He also was a... Uh, was a former racer and uh, all that kind of stuff up in the Northeast. Reverend Joe can stay on and uh, and 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 talk about all kind of stuff that Stephen and I love to talk about, which is racing. And uh, we've got my good friend here. Uh, he uh, he has showed up at uh, digest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson, right outside of Richmond Raceway. Let's let's bring Stephen on with. Well, I don't got that big button, so let's yeah. Here we go. Let's bring him on with us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Stephen, how you doing this evening? I'd like to bring you on sometime for that, well, that super button is what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm having technology problems yet again tonight for some reason that uh, I'm having to call in instead of connect. So, you know what? Other than that, I guess I'm doing all right. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, you had texted me early this morning uh, when I was on my way to work where you had some pretty good storms come through up that way last time, too, which I was watching it on the Weather Channel and all that. Y'all had some, I think you texted me, 70 mile hour winds and stuff. Y'all lost power. Yeah, there was uh, about 70 mile an hour winds. Uh, some places are great around us. Got a bunch of hail and um, a lot of just rain and just nasty stuff. I got a tree laying over in my yard right now. And um, I'm going to probably have to go and uh, cut that up tomorrow um, at some point. Well, I know how I've seen pictures of you with a chainsaw. 
If I had time, I would take <laughs> off and fly up. I would like to watch you run that chainsaw and cut that tree. I know a little bit about chainsaw myself. You know, I cut a little bit of right away here at Coos Valley Electric myself. But uh, there's an arc to that chainsaw <laughs> in there, ain't it, Bubba? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's uh, a little bit of an arc to it. Um, you know, as long as it thing doesn't kick back on you and cut you all up. But, you know, uh, other than that, I guess, you know, you're doing all right. <laughs> That's right, brother. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about. We had a lot of news come out. They just let just let everybody know uh, the number to call in is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. I'm Tim Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Our guest coming up here in about eleven minutes. Uh, Mr. Brandon Reynolds is going to join us and talk about his return to the NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East. But Stephen, we had we had some we had the penalties come out of Kansas, and you and I both we uh, been watching social media and. Uh, we have some breaking news. Uh, the number 42 car uh, for Chip Ganassi Racing, they got popped. Let's go ahead and hit the breaking news. Stephen, we've been seeing it so often this year. Kevin Harvick, uh, I think Austin Dillon is among some of them also, too. Uh, NASCAR got the number 42 team at a post-race inspection with the L1 penalty. Let everybody know what they got them for. Well, it's the same thing that a bunch of others have been popped for multiple times this year. It's that rear or that rear window area around the uh, back of the car, which is indented after a racing event. Kyle Larson and the team uh, tried to make their case. It was very noticeable on television post-race as they were talking to him. And... Um, you know, he was making his case about the, the, the damage that between him and Brian Blaney was the cause of this. And uh, he was hoping that NASCAR wouldn't come down. They wouldn't uh, say anything about it. But, you know, NASCAR did keep that number 42 car on pit road for quite some time before they finally released it and sent it to the R&D Center. And of course, it got to the R&D Center, and uh, it uh, failed. And uh, that was not really a shock by any means, but, you know, the the only thing that you know NASCAR does go back and they do look at the the um, the video from events and especially if you have crash damage and uh, they make the determination of whether they feel that the crash damage is sufficient to to cause whatever you know penalty that may be drawn and unfortunately they didn't feel that you know there was enough of a case or enough evidence that the wreck with Ryan Blaney caused the rear wheel a rear window area. Um, to uh, sink in, um, and the sport braces to uh, um, fail. Um, so they drew a L1 penalty, um, $50,000 for the crew chief, and uh, the car chief is uh, setting out for the next two events. Um, team a team driver and owner losing 20 points out of this incident. Too. So uh, NASCAR did say today that they expect to get a little bit harsher on these penalties as we go along. Considering that we've seen this happen multiple times this year, and uh, not only that, but we went into Kansas and um, you know qualifying day. Uh, here we are, one third of the way through the season, and we had a handful of cars, uh, including Kyle Larson himself, uh, Clinton Boyer, and others, that couldn't make it through inspection. And uh, multiple times, uh, three times they failed, and they were sent back to the garage. Um, so, you know, these things are continuing to occur. So it's a third of the way into the season, and uh, 
way I look at it is, is you know, the teams, uh, you know, they, they were put on notice last year. They knew this thing was going to be coming. They knew this thing would be able to uh, detect all those little gray areas that they may have been playing around with. And, um, you know, the the new Hawkeye system or whatever we want to call it, the disco light system, um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it, 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 uh, it, it's finding a lot of these things out there that we may not found in the past. And, uh, you know, this is kind of where these teams are drawing these penalties of failing inspection multiple times. But, you know, at the same time, you know, failing it and uh, not getting out there to qualify. I mean, we're a third of the way through the season, um, you know, Teams will either learn to 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 get it working right the first time or second time, or maybe they can I guess expect to sit back in the garage. Is the way that NASCAR has uh, put this out there to them. Yeah, you got that right, Stephen. Talk about that disco light deal. I think that's what Ron Devine called that. Uh, he called it the 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 uh, disco light, the Hawkeye. Uh, I think the actual name of it is the optical scanning system. Optical scanning system. Am I correct, Stephen? That's their technical name of it. Uh, I've I've heard it called multiple different things. So I'm just going to go with the fact that it's uh, you know, it, uh, this thing is uh, you know, uh, you know, a disco system. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you've you've seen it at Richmond. You've seen it at Daytona. So then I've seen it at Atlanta, and it, it's it's. For some of these listeners that probably don't know exactly what it is, they it, they uh, you you still push the car up in there, but they got this big black curtain that they throw around everything, and they put these big white. You know, I think I asked you, what are them big white round things that we've seen on the uh, on the uh, windshield, the rear deck, and all that? And that was some of their optical scanning, I guess, sensor spots or something that actually goes to that. But yeah, it's, it's just a just to where they run the car up on a ramp and they got this black curtain that encloses everything and you can't you can't see in there what's going on and I guess they do all that stuff there. But Stephen, just to touch on since I know you said you're uh, you're down a little bit on your uh, technology stuff right now, but uh just to touch on what uh what NASCAR got them for. They got them for the, the infraction uh in the twenty eighteen NASCAR rule book twenty dot four dot eight dot one. They got them B and C rear window support and structure. Note, rear window not flush to deck lead. Rear window support braces must keep the rear window glass rigid at all times. That's per the NASCAR rule book. And just to throw it out, uh, that's what they got them for on the infraction, the number 42 car there of Ship Ganassi. But the the actual rule, 20.4.8.1 in the rule book, rear window support and structure. Rear window braces must be used. Uh, that must has just got to be installed rear window braces and supports must keep the rear window glass rigid in all directions at all all times and all NASCAR templates must fit correctly. That's what the teams are doing, Stephen. They're loose. They're not really. Uh, they're putting the bracket there, but just me thinking and watching and seeing everything, they're leaving it loose where the where where the pressure comes over the car. It come it it sort of gives. Am I right, Stephen? It sort of gives and makes a little bit more downforce on that smaller sport that NASCAR has implemented this year. Yes, yeah, so what it's doing is is that yeah, as long as they can create that turbulence in between the rear deck lid, um, the rear window, and the spoiler itself, and what that turbulence is doing is pressing, giving the more downforce to that car, and uh, you know that's. Um, imperative that in many of these tracks uh, you know they're they're trying to get as much force on the back of these tires 
as possible. So these teams are coming up with, uh, you know, different creative ways in order to get this accomplished. So, uh, you know, we've been seeing this here over the last few weeks or so with this uh, going on. Yeah, and, you know, Stephen, you take it, – it It seems to be a lot of these uh, – a lot of your upper-tier teams, you know, your uh, – what I would call, like in a fancy league, your Class A drivers. They're the ones that are tinkering and playing with all this. You take somebody like a uh, front row motorsport, uh, TriStar Motorsports, Corey Cor- Joy, or somebody Ron Devine, BK Racing, and, and then which you know Paul Ryan went through his deal. They they can't afford to tinker in the areas that these upper tier teams are because they get hit. If they get hit for a fifty thousand dollar penalty, that's a that's a big hit for them for next week. They might not be able to make it to the race the next week. Yeah, you. I mean, yeah. These some of these old teams, they just can't afford to be hit with these penalties. And you know, we, I mean, we saw, we've seen teams that you know are failing. Even some of these smaller teams like that, they are failing the uh, multiple inspections and stuff like that. But we're not seeing them fail. Um, you know, the rear deck and rear uh, window lid area support braces that are failing in the car. Um, and you're right. It, it really just comes down to the fact that you know they're 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 yeah it, it, they get hit with one of these fines, and they definitely have a problem going into the next week. Right. Stephen, real quick before we have Brandon come on here, uh, I don't remember if I texted you last week or not. I was watching the uh, practice there at uh, Kansas. You know they had a bunch of rain come through that uh, that Friday morning, and uh, did you see? Did you get a chance to see the video, or did you get a chance to watch where uh, they were going through turn, going through turn two, and they were complaining about a bump, and then all of a sudden we had a weeper come up through the uh, track, and I was watching, I was like, God, you know what in the world? And then the guy went out there with a with a Makita or Milwaukee or something, quarter street, and popped a couple of holes in the asphalt. Did you see that water shoot up out there? Looked like somebody popped a zip, brother. <laughs> no, I I didn't see I didn't see that part, but I did see about the uh, I did see about you know the 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 weeper that they had in the track and how it was uh, having some problems. There were a lot of different drivers out there also complaining about that at the same time. But yeah, um, I, I know what you're talking about because I've seen it seen them do it at other racetracks where they go in and they cut they cut grooves in the track itself, um, real small fine thin grooves um, to get underneath that asphalt and allow it to just drain out into the, uh, you know, into the, to, to the outer, I'm sorry, the inner groove, you know, out of the racing surface. Yeah. And, you know, Stephen, Kansas had this one under a repave. I can't remember uh, last two or three years they went under a repave and, you know, it's, it's probably the, uh, the uh, weather with the, you know, they get a lot, a lot more ice and cold weather, and then they get the heat also, which is Tornado Alley out there in Kansas, and that might have been what caused one of them cracks, but uh, the uh, the crack over there in turn two, they were talking, I think I was listening to Joe Logano's radio, and he kept complaining about a bump, and he said the bump wasn't here earlier, so I mean, it just, it just went down in that crack and filled up and made a bump, and that's what they were feeling. They didn't really know that it was water until they, until they cut into it. Like you said, this guy he took a drill and uh, drilled off in there, and got the water coming up out of the out of the asphalt there at Kansas Speedway. And then he took a big uh, a big concrete saw. Also, there was a bunch of NASCAR officials. We, you know, I was watching. They were just all standing around, but you couldn't really tell 
far as TV, exactly what was going on, but you could tell that these, you know, couple of guys were jumping up and down like they were trying to know, what in the world are they doing? I'm sort of like DW did, DMDW said, what in the world are they doing? But when they got out, you know, they was wondering, the, the uh, teams and spotters were talking about, why is it taking so long? What are they looking at? The TV did not do it justice. I couldn't tell. I wasn't there in person, but undoubtedly, with them, with the teams watching their monitors and all that there at uh, Kansas as far as spotters and all that, also trying to look and see exactly what was going on there at Kansas as far as that water up on the track. And it was just, uh, it was just some, it was just unreal just seeing them take, take that drill and pop some hoes. But Stephen, we got a, let's go ahead and bring on a driver of the number 74 Chevrolet for Biscayne Motorsports and NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East. Let's bring on Mr. Brandon McReynolds. gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Good evening, Brandon. How are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good. How about y'all? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking the time out to come on, bud. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy coming on the show and catching up with you guys and talking a little bit of racing. That's good, Brandon. This, uh, I know your time is limited, so... Uh, I won't I won't keep you long then I'll throw you over to speedwaydigest.com's Mr. uh Stephen Wilson. Uh can you talk a little bit about the deal? Uh you're uh you're racing part time for John Visconti and uh and uh in the uh National Canyon Pro Series East. And in in the time that you're not racing you you're taking on a new role. You're gonna spot for Noah Gregson in in the NASCAR Camper Truck Series. But can you talk a little bit about how how that deal come down with John and all that, and then how your deal come down spotting for uh, Noah Gregson there? Yeah, no, um, it's a good question. I, I uh, you know, back in 2015 when I was racing for Bill McAnally Racing in the in the Napa car, everything was going really good, and we were winning races and winning some big races, sweeping the um, Iowa Canaan combination races out there in Iowa Speedway, and um, you know some things. We're starting to change a little bit. Bill Bill was looking for a younger guy to come in and, and start racing his car, and, and there was a good opportunity for him to take on Todd Gilland. And, and David Gilland, who's a good friend of mine, was uh, willing to go out there and, and help get that program even better. So Bill and I decided to kind of part ways, so to speak, and, and it was it was best for both of us. I had raced for Bill for two years and, and won races and, and really – hauled the mail everywhere we went and and everything was really good and so going into 2016 I really didn't have anything full-time lined up for me to race and um, I mean obviously funding is the number one thing in our sport right now that gets you on the racetrack and um, I was approached by a team called Jefferson Pitch Racing that Noah Gregson was racing for in the K&N West Series and they wanted me to come and start spotting for them and working with them and a little bit of driver coaching, and uh, I've worked for, for Noah and his dad ever since then. And, and really, actually, 
a lot of people think I spot for Noah now. I still do some races, but actually Tony Hirschman, who spots for Kyle Busch, spots for Noah in the uh, NASCAR Team World Truck Series. And then I'm working more on the driver coaching and management side um, with, with Noah, which is it has been different. You know, it's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot. And putting different deals together for Noah and working with him on and off the racetrack. So it's been a lot of fun. And then uh, over the winter, uh, Tommy Baldwin introduced me to John Viscani and um, they're, they're good buddies from the old modified days up North. And um, John wanted to start up a K and M team. So Tommy helped him prepare the car and get everything kind of pointed in the right direction. And, and they were kind enough to let me, come drive the car so john's john's a great guy he's working really hard trying to build his name up in this sport um taking baby steps that's why we're not running the full schedule a lot of people wonder why we're not running the full schedule because you know we've had some good results so far we've had some bad luck too but um it's the biggest reason is just taking baby steps and working his way into the sport so it's been a really good opportunity for me to to you know keep my name relevant as a as a driver and and show people that i still want to race and uh Brandon, you uh you won the Arca race here at Taldoga Super Speedway back in two thousand twelve. I was there. Uh I didn't get to see you in Victor Lane, but I got to see you drive the car in. Just how big a moment was that with your dad there with uh with Larry Mack being there and you winning that race, especially here at Taldoga Super Speedway? Yes, yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a really good question. I mean Talladega, even though I'm not from the state of Alabama, I I wish I was, but obviously dad being from down there and I have a lot of good friends and family from down that way. And Talladega has always felt like home Uh, with my dad growing up just about an hour away in Birmingham, Alabama. It's, uh, it's always good to go to his home state and perform well in front of people that have supported him his entire life from, from day one at, at the fairgrounds up there at Birmingham when he was short track racing to, to, you know, people that support him as a broadcaster now up in the booth. So um, that that was big. I, you know, I, I've had some good wins and and won and pretty much everything I've driven um, and been very fortunate to work with good people. But that win with Turner Motorsports in 2012, I mean, I feel like it was it, – it's been a while now, but it feels like it was just yesterday. And uh, just to see – I'll never forget when I pulled into victory lane, my dad, and, and he, he he's always trying to stay out of the middle of everything. He doesn't like being in the spotlight when it comes to my racing. But uh, he was the first one to me, and, and he reached in there and grabbed the back of my, my neck and, and just told me that, I, that I'd done a hell of a job and made him proud. And those are those moments that you can really look back on as you get a little bit older and, and really appreciate, um, you know, and, and – I'll never, I'll never forget that day. I hopefully get to go race down there a little bit more, but in the meantime, I, I, I've always cherished that memory. It was uh, pretty, pretty cool being able to go to Victory Lane and, and, and to be honest with you, to do it how we, how we did it. We, you know, a lot of ARCA races that we see down there, um, they play out to where whoever's leading the race crosses the start finish line first and ends up going to Victory Lane, but. To be able to drag some break and kind of tandem draft and, and take a lot of the studying that I had done watching cup guys like Kevin Harvick and, and people like that over the years to apply that and win a race that was that was pretty cool. I know it was. I, I know it was. And uh, Ben, I, I I want to throw this out. Um, when Stephen and I and Suzanne started this show about five or six years ago, we was just started you know you know just to just to have something to talk about and. Um, just to have fun. And I want to give a big shout out to your dad, Mr. Larry McReynolds. Larry helped us so much. Uh, Brandon, he 
he uh, he's come on the show. Uh, every time I've seen him at a racetrack, he's always stopped and talked. I mean, uh, Larry, and talk about taking notes. Your dad takes notes for for Fox Sports. I mean, he does it religiously. He does it great. But I want uh, whenever you mention that, I, I just want to give a big shout out to your dad. And next time you see him, tell him we said thank you very much because he has really helped our show boom. Yeah, I will for sure. Now that's uh, that's the thing about my dad is. You know, he he's obviously built up a good name for himself, and but he's just a good old boy from from Birmingham, Alabama, and and I, I feel like he he raised me to be the same way, and he puts his pants on the same way as anyone else, one leg at a time every morning, and and um, that's one thing I really appreciate. And as I've as I've you know, not that I'm old, but as I've gotten older and matured more, <laughs> I, I I definitely learned to appreciate everything that my dad's instilled in me just being a good person and and um i definitely have a lot of respect for him so it's cool to hear just those those stories like that and, and i know he's a huge supporter of our sport and and hopefully continues to be for a long time he will brandon he will good man larry matt good man and brandon my final question before i hand you over to uh steven uh, you mentioned you're racing a limited schedule with uh john Biscotti. uh when is your next race, and how many races are you going to be running this year in the NASCAR Canyon Pro Series 8? Yeah, so our, our, our next race is going to be at Thompson uh, Thompson Speedway up in Thompson, Connecticut. Um, I think that's in that's in mid-July, and then uh, it'll be – we, we only have one car, um, so we're working on some funding and things like that, trying to get John some more sponsorship. Uh we are supported by IGA and the Riker group, uh, you know, the, the grocery stores, which really, really helps John out and, and allows us to go to the racetrack. But at, right after we leave Thompson, um, that, that following week, we're basically going to stay up north, flip our car over, find a garage somewhere where we can set up our scales and, and go to work on our car and get ready for Loudon, New Hampshire, because that's the following week. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then our plan after that is to run the second Loudon race, later on in the year and then we'll finish out at the season finale at dover um so some good racetracks for us it's just you know we we got tore up at south boston this past weekend which was a shame because we had a really good car got a little behind in qualifying but it's uh it's tough when you when you when you tear up race cars in general but it's really tough when you're a little bit more underfunded and, and um, don't have you know the manpower and the people and the resources to get your stuff back on track so we'll take the next two months and get our car back prepared and, and try to go up to Thompson and execute a good weekend and try to, try to get one of these wins. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon, Brandon Reynolds, number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain, alongside com, Mr. Stephen Wilson, right outside of Richmond. Brandon, thank you very much for taking time to come on. I'm going to hand you over to uh, Stephen Wilson here at Speedway Digest. Good luck the rest of the season and be safe, bud. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Brandon, thanks a lot for coming on here. You talked a little bit earlier on about how that you've transitioned not only from being a, a risk car driver and being in the car each and every week, but now on the business or management side of this. It's, how much of a difference, you know, since you – I know that you, you just came up through these series not too long ago yourself, but the, but the sport is always changing. The evolution is, you know, very short now adverse to just, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. The drivers are getting you. And you talked about working with um, drivers like Noah Gregson, who uh, won, um, you know, this past weekend and uh, won truck series race last year. Uh, 
you know, talk just a little bit about what that means to you as a driver and you as somebody that's going over to the business management side of this and just talk just about how much it has changed since you came up through it and the, what experiences you're able to uh, uh, bring to to NOAA and some of these other drivers that are now coming up to the series. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things when I first started working with NOAA, that I didn't, I, I don't feel like I did a really good job at, or I didn't really do justice by Noah. Was I kept trying to look at every situation as if he was me, and 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 what I would do if I was in his shoes. And then I I, I quickly started realizing over the last couple of years, as my roles changed a little bit with Noah, and we start trying to build up his brand and, and build up his name and really get people to take a look at him. Um, you know, one of the things that I had to start paying attention to was that he, he's not me. He's, he's a, he's a young 19 year old from Las Vegas, Nevada. And, and um, he's much more of a, a risk taker than I am on and off the racetrack. Um, he's a little edgier than I am. So really one of the things that we try to work on with him is just, really embracing that and embracing who Noah is and, and, and naturally allowing him to grow up and, and learn on and off the racetrack on his own. So um, there's a lot of good opportunities for Noah coming up. And, and what's cool to see is his, his story go full circle. Last year we had some bumps in the road and, and um, you know, he, he won Martinsville in the fall, which was really great for his career and really, I think gave him the confidence knowing that he deserve he deserves a, a, a role in the sport as a, as a young and up and coming racer. But now we're starting to go into that next category of, of trying to win a championship at Kyle Busch Motorsports and, and really trying to put a whole year together and really execute week in and week out. Um, so it's been really rewarding just to see his natural progression um, as a young man and, and maturing, you know, off the racetrack and really engaging with fans um, and through social media and things like that. But then also how our process has allowed him to be better on the racetrack. And, and, you know, I can sit here and say, Hey, you know, that's, that's because him and I sit down and watch film together, but that's, that, that's not it. You know, we just, we just chip away at it. Uh, I try to instill in him good work ethic. And, and I think that is something where a lot of these young guys do fall short is they show up at a race team and they show up with their helmet and their driver's suit on and their shoes and they expect to hop in a, a truck or an Xfinity car or a K&N car and just go fast. And you can go fast for a couple laps, but unless you put the time and the preparation and, and the work into what you're supposed to be doing Monday through Friday, you're, you're normally probably not going to be too excited with the results come Friday or Saturday night when you're flying home. So kind of giving you the long answer, it's just, uh, it's been really rewarding and I've learned a lot about that process working with younger guys like Noah and, and, and finding that fine balance of knowing when to step up and say something and, and, and to get on them and, and talk about what we need to get better at, but also allowing him to make mistakes and learn on his own and finding his own path. And, and we, I think we've done a really good job at that. And, and it's no lie. I mean, when you're over at, at a at a company like Kyle Busch Motorsports, Kyle's put a great group of people um, from the front office to on the shop floor in place, and um, and and that speaks for itself with the results. 
And how much do you think that your experiences growing around, growing up around your dad has prepared you for this point in your career? Not just coming full circle as getting back into a race car, but those ups and downs that sometimes come with being a race car driver. And, and you know, you know, you, you kind of said, you know, you departed from um, Bill McAnally, um because they were looking for something else. And how much of these experiences have you just been able to learn from, not only just from your dad, but from the people that are around your dad and independently on your own? Yeah, no, um, I, I think the biggest thing that's helped me a lot with some of the ups and downs, because I'll be honest with you, I, you know, when, when Bill McAnally and I sat down and Bill's been really great to me and, and he took really good care of me for those two, two and a half years that I raced for him and we had a lot of really good times and, and really put his program back on the map um, really because the last time they were winning a bunch of races was with Eric Holmes. And, and um, so it was cool to go through that transition with Bill, but as, as a younger man, when, when Bill sat me down and explained to me that we were going to go a different direction for 2016, um, you know, I was a little confused. I was a little ticked off to be honest with you. I, I didn't really understand how, why I was essentially losing my ride when I was winning races on a very big, at a very big level, winning the combination races out there at Iowa, which no one had ever swept those races before. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't see anyone doing it anytime soon either. Cause they only go there once a year now, which is nice. So, um, but, uh, you know, just, just learning that you, you, you can't, you have to put everything that you have into this sport. Um, you have to sacrifice relationships. You have to, um, you know, I'm married, you know, being 26 years old and, and my wife, Lauren, she sacrifices a lot for me to be gone as much as I am. But so you put in a lot of personal time and effort, but one of the things I've learned from my dad and, and the things that I really talked to know a lot about is you can't take this stuff personal. Um, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have a lot more downs than, than there are ups. So you just got to keep everything in check and own your actions and be as prepared as possible. And at the end of the day, if, if things don't work out, whether it's on the business side of racing or, or sitting behind that steering wheel, you got to be able to look in the mirror and say, Hey, I, I did everything I was supposed to do to be prepared. And if, if it doesn't work out, then you just can't take it personal. So that's, that's one of the things I, I really try to pay attention to because our sport, it is, it is really tough from the um, competition standpoint and on the business end, it's, it's very cutthroat and, and for, for drivers and for people throughout the industry. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing is, is anytime you walk into that racetrack, whether you're competing or, or you're there supporting someone and trying to better their career, um, you, you kind of got to leave your feelings at the door because if, uh, if you like to let it get the best of you, you probably won't like the, the end of it. So that's, that's one of the biggest things that I've kind of learned from my dad. And, you know, as you're running this limited schedule here, long-term goals. Are, are you happy with learning or getting back to a point where you're rebuilding a team or trying to be build a team? Um, and is your long-term goal to, to be in that seat every week? Or are you happy now that you've gotten to a point where you can not only get behind the wheel, but you can also support the series in other ways at the same time from not just the driving aspect of it? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I've struggled over the last couple of years, and, and, and I've had this conversation with with, uh, with Noah's dad, Scott, who, who's been the, the best boss I could ever ask for. Um, 
he's practically my, my best friend. So we have a lot of conversations about where I'm at personally and what I want to be doing. And, and I'm fully committed to, to Noah Gregson and, and Noah knows that his family knows that the people that we work around know that. Um, I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him work his way up to the cup series and I want to be a small part of that and, and helping him get there. Um, ultimately it's on him to, to do the work. Um, but if I can be a small piece of that puzzle, I think there's a, um, you know, th- th- there's something to be proud of there. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I do miss racing full time. My goals haven't changed as far as my driving career. I just, I, I feel like I have a place, you know, or I think I could have a role on Sundays in the cup series driving. I, I, I see some of the guys that are racing in cup right now that I've outrun and got outran by um, in my younger years, not too long ago. So I have full confidence in myself. I could go race with those guys on Sunday, but I'm also realistic in knowing the fact that it takes funding and it takes a lot of it and it takes getting with the best team out there, whatever level you're at to be successful. And, um, and I, you know, so I just, I, I just try to be realistic about that with me being, 27 this coming week um times times flying by and it's the sports a uh, next man up mentality at all times and there's a lot of young kids that are coming up through the ranks right now um even on back to super late models that have funding or or sponsorship or whatever you want to call it that's that's going to allow them to get to that next level a lot quicker than someone just saying hey i know you're really good brandon you're 27 years old you're mature you probably should be in Xfinity full time, but come run my car. It's it's hard as a business to to sacrifice those dollars that a younger guy might have. So I just try to keep um, a good check on that. So um, I guess to answer your question, if if an opportunity came about, it'd have to be a really good opportunity for me to to go race full time. Which which being realistic, those are really tough to come by unless you have the the partners and the sponsorship and the funding to go with that. So I'm I'm happy what I'm with what I'm doing. Um, sure, I wish I could race more, um, but I, I'm enjoying doing a little bit of broadcasting for NBCSN for the K&N West races. I'm I'm doing I think I want to say about half of those this year. I'm enjoying building up a team and working with John Viscani and 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 seeing that grow. And I want to help grow that program into something bigger next year, whether I'm in the car full time or not. And then uh, at the end of the day, my 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 main focus right now is Noah and trying to help him get to that next level. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight to talk to us and a little bit about what you're doing in the K&N series, your work with uh, you know, Noah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's some uh, – we didn't – honestly, I didn't even know that you were working for NBCSN at the same time. Um, but congratulations on that portion of it too. And before we do let you get out of here, um, go ahead and thank all your sponsors, anybody that's helped you get to the point, um, you know, and where they can follow you at on social media or just help you guys out in general to get to a race. Yeah, everyone, everyone can check us out on uh, on Twitter or just add me at McReynolds 28 um, I believe it's the same thing on Instagram and Facebook. I uh, probably need to do a little bit better job on social media. Every once in a while you'll see me chime in there and get a little lippy every now and then, but um, definitely check me out on there. Give me a follow and I'll follow you back. And then, um, just got to thank IGA and the Riker group and, and John Viscani and, the, and, our, and our whole crew that really makes that whole deal happen. It's, it's really difficult to, 
go race against, you know, MDM and David Gillen racing. So I'm very fortunate and count my blessings that I have the support that I do to, to go compete with those guys. Well, thanks a lot again. Um, appreciate the time that you're coming on here tonight. Uh, good luck throughout the rest of the season when you get to Thompson, New Hampshire, and all the uh, races beyond there. Take care. All right. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Well, all right. Thank you, Tim. Brandon Moreno's there, Stephen. Classy young man. Classy young man, just like his dad, Larry Mack. And he brought, you know, just like he said, upbringing. You know, we talk about upbringing and, and everything, too. You got to – Larry McReynolds is probably about like my dad, like your dad and everything. You know, they brought us up right. I'm not saying kids nowadays are not, but Brandon's one of them type of young men. He hasn't forgot where he's come from. Uh, like the question that, that I had posed to him about winning the ARCA race here at Talladega back in, 20, I think I think of 2012, he said when he got out of the car, the first person he seen was Larry Mack. I mean, you know, that had to mean a lot to that young man here at Larry Mack's home track, Tyler Super Speedway. But there's so much Brandon can talk. You know, we could have kept him on for two hours. There's so much that you and I can talk about, about Brandon McReynolds, the McReynolds family, uh, NASCAR K&M Pro Series, East, West, and all that. But the young man can drive. He's a proven winner. And just like Larry Mack told me a couple of years ago, he said, "He said, Tim, it's it's all about, you know, you can you can get a ride, but then the owner wants to know how much are you bringing to the table. The owners want that money, want that sponsorship to come out. And Brandon McReynolds has been through that, you know, since 2009. You know, like he said, he's fishing to, to turn 27, but he has he has been around long enough now. You could probably call him a veteran. He has seen." The times changed somewhat, but Brandon, real classy guy, uh, Stephen, and he he brought up a good point. Like I said, Larry Mack said, it's all about the dollar, Stephen. He can drive. He can drive because, you know, he won both them races at uh, at Iowa in the National Canyon Pro Series West. Yeah, um. You're right, and that's, you know, these team owners today were in an unfortunate situation where um, the ability of a driver isn't enough to get you through the door or get you that interview or to uh, even get you close to a, a race car. Uh, every, single one, every single one of these owners today, you're right, that, that's one of the first questions they ask. You know, how much money can you bring, who the sponsors are, what can they do for us? Not necessarily what you can do for us, but what can they do for us? Uh, exactly. Because, you know, these, these owners are in a tough spot these days. And, uh, you know, we see it across all levels of the sport. And um, it, it's only getting compounded year after year. Yeah. And, you know, you had mentioned the question there to Brandon. I think I also did, too, about, you know, with him spotting there for Noah Gregson. But he really said – he was more of like a uh, driver coach, but I think he had done some uh, spotting. So, you know, that right there goes good with uh, Brandon's resume, you know, because as far as uh, his driving experience, he's he's driven about everything there is to drive on every track there is to drive, and then he gets to he gets a spot, do some driver coaching. That young man is getting a lot of stuff in his head, and I hope it turns out to something. Maybe down the road he can uh, get into a truck. You know, he. Uh, he run uh, 
I think he won run one truck race in Texas. Texas, yes, he won, he he ran one truck race in Texas in 2012, and he finished 18th. So the young man can drive. You put him in a truck one time, boom, he's there. But uh, the number to call is two one five three three thirty six eighty one. I'm Tim Spain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Want to thank Larry McReynolds. Uh, Larry McReynolds. Want to thank Brandon McReynolds for coming on. Brandon's a good guy. I've talked to him two or three times. But Stephen, uh, we had him come on there. Uh, you were a little late with some technical difficulties. We were talking about the uh, the L1 penalties for the 42 car uh, NASCAR Rubik 20.4.8.1 the rear window support structure, which was B and C, just to get some of our listeners up to up to code on what we were all talking about. Is that I know we've had some more. I think you mentioned we had some more breaking news come out that you wanted to cover, Stephen, but I don't think I got it. Is there anything you need to cover? We got the All-Star this weekend. Um, oh, yeah, so that's, that's right. Uh, the All-Star race. The All-Star race, Stephen. And we had, we we talked about this a little bit a while back when NASCAR come out and they were going to, Change the rules. They're putting plates on the cup cars at Charlotte, Stephen. Talk a little bit about that. So it's going to be a combination of restricted plate racing and what they had at Indy, and they've tested at Indy before. Um, they, they're going to go with the um, aero ducts on the front of the car with a um, you know, 2014 splitter and um, the radiator pan to move the air inside. The, the engine compartment, um, as well as some downforce, helping with the downforce there on the back side of it. They're going to uh, put um, those two ears on the spoiler. Um, so the spoiler is about six inches um, tall, and they're going to put these two ears off the either side of it, which would be about 12 inches tall. They tried this, but they, this package was used also at Indy last year. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Me personally, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I don't I don't think it's going to produce the type of racing that we're going to look at, um, or you know what they're trying to accomplish out of this. Um, the only thing, I, I mean, I guess I kind of look back and I'm a bit jaded at the fact of 2000 when, um, you know, unfortunately we lost uh, Adam Petty and Kerry Irwin at New Hampshire New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And just after that, they put restrict plates on the cars. And, uh, you know, um, you know, Jeff Barton went from the pole, led every single lap there, and won the race. So, um, you know, I guess I'm a bit jaded in the fact that I've seen what this can do on tracks that are not Daytona and Talladega. And, uh, you know, it's just, unfortunately, I just don't, think it's going to produce the style or type of racing that we're looking for. Um, I mean, I guess I could be surprised at this, but, you know, I'm, I've, I've seen it happen on other tracks other than Daytona and Talladega, and I, I remember what it looks like. I remember what these races look like. So, uh, you know, I could be pleasantly surprised, or I could uh, sit back and say, well, this is 2000 New Hampshire Motor Speedway all over again. Exactly, Stephen. And you bring up a real good point. Uh, like you mentioned about that when they did that at New Hampshire there with and uh after uh unfortunately Adam Petty lost his life there and Jeff Burton lit every lap. And 
I've been to the Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is a sister track to uh, Texas and Charlotte. And them boys is getting some yonder, Bubba. They get some yonder around that mile and a half track. But putting plates on, just like you said, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to knock NASCAR and what they're doing. Like you said, let's see what happens. And But then again, it's like a double-edged sword, Stephen. The social media fans and everybody gripe and bitch, excuse my language, about mile-and-a-half tracks, all the cars getting strung out. Well, now you're fishing a bunch of them up, just like you said, just like you mentioned, Stephen. You're fishing a bunch up, 40 cars on a mile-and-a-half racetrack with a restrictor plate with a hell of a damn down four-sporter on there with them two ears, like you mentioned. This is going to be interesting, Bubba. Yeah, I mean, it, it has the potential um, to be interesting. Yeah. I think we've seen interesting races, not only at Talladega and Daytona, um, it, it, with these restrictor plates, these high-down forces. Um, but, you know, uh, you know these, these aren't these aren't, you know, uh, uh, you know, Daytona and Talladega. I mean, they um, these cars at Daytona and Talladega take a lap and a half to get the full speed, the full song. That's a full, um, nearly four four miles. That's right. Um, that it takes them to get the full speed, and that is that that that's that. I mean, we're talking two and a half, three laps for these cars to get to maximum speed. And they've got no throttle control at the same time because you do sail off into these corners at about 170, 180 miles an hour. But then you back the car down in, uh, you know, into the 150s, 160s, and then you sail back down the front and back stretch. And, uh, you know, you just got no throttle control in these cars at that point. Um, so, you know, while it may keep the cars bunched up, it may also keep the cars from being able to pass because there's no throttle control at the same time. Exactly. We're just going to have to wait and see, Stephen. And uh, I don't know what the opening on the plate is going to be. I had I just now thought about that when you were talking about it. Uh, is the uh, is opening opening on the restrictor plate going to be the same as Daytona and Talladega, Stephen? I don't know. Have you heard? I haven't heard what they're listing it as. Um, you know, they had two different plates there in Talladega uh, because of right. the speeds. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know how they're going to do this one. I don't know if they're going to go to, you know, the last um, down there. They used a, it was about a 7.8, and then they went to about a, I think it was, a, what was it, a 55, 56 or something like that. Um, yes, sir. Exactly. Or maybe. Exactly. May, um that so was it, maybe it was the reverse. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they used two plates, different plates down there. Um, what they're going to use it this weekend, I don't know. I haven't actually heard them put anything out there. But it's going to be interesting because I think that they're going to have to go with a bigger plate. They're going to have to go with the wider plate, um, you know, because otherwise, you know, the speeds are we, – we're going to cripple the speeds. You're already taking uh, – even in those ones that we're talking about, 7, 8, 55, 56 – um, plates. I mean, you're already taking 850 horsepower motors down to about 475 to 490 horsepower somewhere along in there. Um, so you know, uh, you know what that does on a mile and a half racetrack. Well, um, you know, we're, we're you know we're gonna have to see how this all works out. Um, but I guess you know 
again, it just comes back to, you know, I remember 2000, I remember New Hampshire, and, uh, you know, hopefully that this time it'll be better. That's right, Stephen. We can only, we can only hope, uh, you know, NASCAR's dig, digging in all corners, and maybe it's going to be a real interesting uh, 2018 all-star race there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But, uh, Stephen, coming up here on top of the hour, and uh, I want to thank uh, Brandon Reynolds for coming on. I want to thank Visconti Motorsports for letting him come on. Uh, I want to thank you, Anne Marie. Well, wait a minute, Stephen. You got to come it. I hadn't got it printed off again. You got the schedule for this weekend, Bubba. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got thank the whole you. schedule. So, I mean, some, some, yeah, you guys are really have to stick with me here on this one. Um, <clears throat> Friday, Friday from uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, starting at, uh, excuse me, four forty in four forty is uh, the NASCAR Cable World Truck Series qualifying out there. To right after that, we're going to go to Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. These are going to be two rounds, fifteen and five minutes. This is going to be for the Open. This is the race that. Um, you can race your way into the all-star race. Once that's completed and wrapped up, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying, uh, three laps with a pit stop, uh, fastest laps will set up the field for the all-star race. Then at 8.30, NASCAR Campbell Truck Series qualifying, and the, the NC Lottery 200, 134 laps, 201 miles for them. Then on Sunday, um, here we go again. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. Six o'clock, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series All-Star Open. Uh, 20 laps, 20 laps, and 10 lap segments out there. The winner of each uh, each will move on to the All-Star Race as well as we will have a uh, fan vote to, into the All-Star Race. Eight o'clock, uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series All-Star Race from Charlotte. Uh, 30 laps, 20 laps, 20 laps, and a 10-lap shootout at the end. This year, they are not requiring a pit stop during the uh, also. So um, no pit stops there, no mandatory, and uh, also there is no option tire this year either uh, because of the package that they're going with, um, with the new spoiler restricted plate there, ducks in the the, uh, the radiator pan. Um so that's what's going on this weekend from uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Also, that's Stephen Wilson there, SpeedwayDigest.com. Give him a follow there on Twitter, uh, Speedway Digest, and all that. Stephen, again, I want to uh, I want to thank uh, Brandon McReynolds for taking time out to come on. He stayed on longer than he than he originally agreed. Brandon's a good guy. I think a lot of Brandon, I think a lot of Larry Mack. Uh, like I mentioned to him, Larry Max helped you and I and uh, Anne Marie and Suzanne with the show. You know, we started this out to be just a little talk show, carry on deal, and this and this really blowed up. I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, Stephen, let everybody know if they can follow you at on social media. And if you hear anything, Mister Sharp of the Cats come in here and Suzanne's put a shoebox down. He's trying to get in the lid. Just want to throw that out there. Anyway, Stephen, let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media, bud. We got a big race weekend, the All Star Race coming up this weekend. 
You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. I got Matt Jackson going there to the racetrack this weekend. He'll uh, be at the All-Star Race, the NC Lottery 200 Camp Lou NASCAR uh, Truck Series race. And uh, he'll be back again next week for the Coca-Cola 600 and the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Charlotte. And everybody follow SpeedwayDigest.com. And I want to thank Stephen Wilson for my website, uh, pitstopradio.net. You can follow me on there. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Lyman, at Pitstop Radio, Facebook, Tim Spain, and all that. And Stephen, I want to thank you very much for being a good friend. Thanks for coming on tonight, and we're going to sign off. We're going to sign off here. Uh, and we'll be back next Tuesday night uh, live just south of the 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen Wilson, just right outside of Richmond International Raceway. Until next weekend, y'all have a good weekend, folks. Enjoy the race, All-Star Race, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Good night.
Memorial Day weekend is a time for remembrance and honor. And this Memorial Day weekend, we'll salute our troops like no one else. At the Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, May 27th, the most patriotic day in racing starts with an amazing pre-race concert by country superstars, the Eli Young Band. Another line in the storied history of America's home for racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway. The Coca-Cola 600, Sunday, Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. There's nothing like it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.